Hey, Torin. Give me just a second here. Yeah, no problem. There we go. Can you see me okay? Yeah. Great. Perfect. Right, yeah. Um, um, so, nice to finally um, see you again. Um, it's been a while since we last spoke. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so without any delay, because I don't want to take up too much of your time, so we'll just get right into it. So, let's do it. Um, first of all, um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Leilani. I am a counselor and consultant, and I do everything related to people development. So, on the counseling side, I work one-on-one, -on -one, typically with women, um, working through some of the trauma that they have been in using core beliefs counseling to go in, uncover some of the belief patterns that they've been running on autopilot, and then making some tweaks to them so that they can start feeling empowered. And then on the consulting side, I work with a few organizations to help them bringing in these practices of people development and structure into their organizations. So I get to have a lot of fun with the work that I do, helping people. Yeah. Um, that is really um, helpful, specifically, as you say, you typically work with most of women. So um, that is just um, amazing, and it's like, you know, I mean, I think I might have said this when we had our initial um, chat. Mm -hmm. It might have been about two, maybe three weeks ago now. Um, I find that in, people like yourself doing, the, doing uh, incredible work in your own field is really inspiring, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because I like to uplift others, share other people's work and so on. Um, so typically in counselling, what methods do you use typically? So I always like to start sessions with new clients um, doing a safe space practice where what we do is have them imagine it can be a place that is real that they have been to or a place that just encompasses a lot of what would feel safe to them. And so we have them imagine this in their mind. And so for some clients, this might be the kitchen of their best friend's mom's home when they were a child. Um, other people I've worked with, you know, it's this scene at the beach. And so I bring them into this very relaxed theta state so that they can kind of drop some of those barriers, drop a bit of that analytical mind, and now go into the space of imagination. And in this safe space, we look at what are the textures? What are the smells? What do you notice about the colors in this place? And we try to make this safe place as real for them internally as anything that they experience in, these, in the external world. And once we've really got them into that relaxed state, I have them combine a word, which could be like a one triggered word to help them come back to this place. And then we'll do a bit of tapping. It's a butterfly hug. It's a technique that is used in EMDR. 
and we'll have them slowly tap as they feel into that safe space. And the reason we do that is that I like to combine this, you know, the image with the verbal cue with a physical cue to help their brain start wiring in that they can come to this safe space. So before we do any diving, digging into those belief patterns that might be getting in their way, we always start with having a safe place in their body, in their mind that they can come back to. That way, when we start doing some of that heavier work, if at any point they start to feel a little too overwhelmed, if we're moving towards a, a hard memory too fast, we can re-anchor them into that space of safety to help their mind relax again, help their body relax again, and then engage with, all right, are we ready to keep moving forward? Or, you know, have we moved far enough for today? And let's process what we've got. So it's really a method of I'm facilitating my client. My client is the one who is doing the work. So it's a really beautiful process where once we go into those deep memories, they are able to rewrite some of the scenarios that they experienced, therefore choosing an outcome where they feel more empowered. And from there, they can start moving in the world from a space of empowerment rather than that old belief system. So it's a pretty powerful and beautiful practice. Yeah. Um, I'm um, not so clued up on EMDR. So could you give me and everyone else a brief uh, description on what EMDR is and what it and uh, and what it's what how it works. Yeah, so EMDR is uh, it's a therapy method that really should only be practiced by folks, uh, licensed therapists who have gone through extensive training in this modality. So I do not do EMDR with any of my clients. I use this butterfly um, hug technique just to help with the anchoring piece. But EMDR is it's a tool that has been used um, with a lot of trauma survivors a lot of folks who are experiencing PTSD. And it's a way to reprocess a memory in the brain so that it is less triggering. And it's basically like moving that memory from one part of the brain to another. So that rather than it having a very triggering effect on you, you're able to change it to talk about it in the same way you might talk about a book that you read yesterday. It's an incredibly powerful practice, um, but again, because it can be so intense, it's something that should only be used uh, by therapists who have extensively been trained in this work. Yeah, that is something that I um, I stress as well when it comes to um, anything to do with any, um, therapy, um, self-help tools um, that I have either um, picked up from um, ex other experts like mental health professionals. Mm -hmm. I always state that I am not qualified in that specific, specific area. I just relay my experience 
with using that modality or that specific tool. So I think it's really important that you know for you know for that to be voiced because we don't want to ever get into a situation where we could potentially either get sued or our or and also attached to that our reputation for whoever that may be to that person be damaged. So, yeah. it's really vital, so it's really vital and important that we stress that. Um, I mean, that sounds really interesting and I think I might have to look into that myself to try and um, attune that to what I need to tell you to what I uh, feel. Um, so... Obviously, um, we're not going to obviously go into too much because obviously there's client confidentiality and all of that. But typically, with your clients, what is their motive for? What is the reason that they come to you? Is it because of uh, personal reasons? Uh, they are struggling with a particular issue. What is the general uh, situation that they come to you for? So, uh, you know, what typically drives most humans to make a change is that they hit a point where the pain or the frustration <clears throat> that they're in is too much. They're tired of it, right? They're tired of feeling stuck. They've come to a place where perhaps they have an awareness that they are repeating the same patterns and they're fed up with it. Unfortunately, as humans, we're not always the best at listening to our cues when our body or our mind is saying like, hey, you should address this. Hey, it'd be a good idea. We often wait until we're at the point where we are feeling depressed or we have stayed another year in a relationship that we feel we didn't really want to be in to begin with or until we've lost a job. It's typically folks hit some form of rock bottom for themselves, whatever that may be, right? Um, sometimes I will speak with women who they know that they're getting really close to burnout. And so they want to address this before they reach that. And I think that's a great sign of somebody has been listening to themselves and paying attention to those cues. Um, but most often it's women who recognize, you know, I feel like there is something more. I feel like I could be living differently. I have these dreams that I want to accomplish. And here I am five years later and I still haven't accomplished it and I can't figure out why. So it's often they come when they're frustrated with some area of their life. And whatever, they to whatever topic they bring in is hardly ever the topic that's really at the root of what's going on. So a woman might come in and say, I'm struggling with this in my romantic relationship. And then, you know, I get them on the table, we have Reiki start flowing. I start asking some questions and pretty soon, like what we're talking about, something that happened when they were seven or when they were 17. And that's really at the root of what is leading to the suffering that they're experiencing in their relationship now. So it's like usually the problem is not the problem. It's something much deeper. And so 
digging in and finding where is the root of this? Let's address the root cause, not just the symptoms. Yeah, I've um, just to um, obviously um, relate to obviously personal experiences because I just want to say that this is mainly obviously mainly coming from personal experiences and obviously you know. Um, so just to put that out there, but when you said about it's not no, it's not usually the problem problem they come in with. I have noticed that with myself personally because it's, I really have to really investigate. Like, what is it? It's you also you assume it's the problem that has arisen, but really it's the problem underneath that, and it's trying and it's finding a way via yourself or through another person to really investigate, really break down that to break down that actual problem, actual causation. Because you're right, it's not actually the problem that's on the surface, it's what's below. Yeah. And you know, I can re- I can relate that to trauma. Um yeah. you know, it's what's on what is on the surface is just like a mask, you'll be rare, you know. Um, um, I I heard of that line to uh, in the movie The Mask. Um, but what is actually underneath that problem is the more contagious problem. It causes more harm. It actually is the cause of what you are feeling, and it's yeah. just breaking down that barrier. And I think it's important to either have someone who you can talk to, whether they are, it doesn't have to be a therapist, or in particular, they don't have to be a Reiki healer. It could be anyone close to your family or whatever, or someone who's non judgmental, judgmental. They can really pinpoint the real cause and then going forward if you wish to then you can enact self-help tools like EMDR, CBT, uh, DBT, Dialectical Behavioural Therapy. All of these modalities um, can be helpful. Yes. But it depends on what you want to help with. Yeah. And I suppose that, um, I mean, women uh, are more forthcoming. They're more willing to open up. They're more willing to seek help. Whereas men, and hello, I'm one of them, we don't. We tend to, and yes, you could say that it goes to the old adage, uh, stiff upper lip. Mm. You know, the old archaic language of you don't need to cry, you don't need help with your feelings. You're a man. Just pull up your pull up your bootstraps and just get on with it. Yeah. And we hunker down, we are it and we just go full force, 
and we don't really and we don't realize that in actuality we are also making ourselves worse. Yeah. Because we're not so used to sitting or sitting down with someone and opening up. That's alien choice. Yeah. And it's like, no. We need to get out of that stinking thinking. And like, no, it's okay to open up. It's necessary, right? Yeah. It's it's even it's beyond okay. <clears throat> it's absolutely vital. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. You know, I I mean hopefully, you know, um through the work I've I've been doing, hopefully, you know I'm ho- I'm hopeful that by me opening up and showing that it's okay to open up as a man because statistically the suicide rates are continually going up, um, which is unfortunate, but, you know, that's um, probably a discussion for another time, maybe. And so it's vitally important, especially for me, because I, again, you know, I'm not perfect, no one's perfect. I shut myself down. Right, I am more comfortable in. I'm more comfortable being in my own head, which again is a red, is a bit of a red flag. But that's my uh, form of response. Um, so, open up, saying creating a safe space to where men can open up. Yeah, is vitally important. And everything that we're speaking about, yes, obviously you mainly work with women, but. It can also, but the work you do and others can also apply to men. Yes, a hundred percent. But it's but it's fine. But it's really being able to have a man sit in an environment to where he's comfortable enough to open up. Because yeah. as soon as we as soon as we walk into well again I'll use myself as an example. As soon as I walk into an alien environment, my automatic reaction is to tense up. Mm-hmm. Put my guard up. Whereas with the work you do, it's all about, and I don't think, I couldn't be wrong, but I don't think this really applies to women when they, maybe they do depending on what their circumstances are. But your work is all about bringing down that barrier, really opening up, opening them up to a different, different possibility. Yeah. And really applying what you have learned through your work to really focus and set them on the right path to become to becoming more more free in a word yeah, yeah, yeah. more free and <clears throat> more able to tap into the natural light that they already have and I, I I really appreciate that you've brought up the the differences that we have here in societally around there's a lot more stigma around men seeking help than there is women. And so the more open conversations we have about these things, specifically the more conversations that men have about these things, it helps destigmatize this idea that men should be, you know, tough and not have emotions. It's regardless of what gender you are or what gender you identify with. At the end of the day, we're all still human. We all still have emotions. We have thoughts and all of these things work together. We all experience trauma. We all experience fear. 
we all need to feel safe in order to develop because we can't grow. We can't thrive if we are constantly in a state of survival. So you're absolutely right about that. And uh, one of the models that, that I use around, you know, how do we move more and more towards that ideal state that we want to be in. I, I know a trending word right now is, you know, best self, like that works, yeah. that works for you, that works. Ideal self, best self, highest self. And um, I think of this as like three, three pieces here. At the top, I have safety. Then next to that is self-exploration. And then beside that is self-knowing. And if you can imagine this as a triangle, when we feel safe, then we're able to move towards self-exploration, right? So that's doing some of that deeper work around why do I react this way when I feel unsafe or when I'm in a particular situation? So we go in, we start doing some self-exploration. The more we self-explore in a safe way, the more we self-know. And the better that we know ourselves, the more we're actually able to start living the life that we want to. We can start finding more joy, our motivations, our purpose in life. And the more we feel purposeful, the safer we feel. The safer we feel, the more we're going to self-explore, the more we're going to self-know. So when we can get onto that route of the more safety I can create in myself through practices like inner child work, self-healing, self-love, having trusted people that I can talk to that are non-judgmental, that are willing to hold space for whatever it is that I'm experiencing. The more we increase that safety, the more actually we are setting ourselves up to step into that ideal version of ourselves. The thing is, we often move maybe too fast or too intensely into those healing um, modalities without having some of those safety structures set up first, right? And then it doesn't really stick. We try to jump too quickly to self-knowing and then suddenly we feel lost. And this, this can happen if we haven't really established that connection to the self to listen to ourselves when our body or our mind says, hey, actually slow down. Let, let's not rush towards this. So we, we do have to be responsible for ourselves with the type of healing work that we do and who we trust to be part of that healing journey. So if somebody is thinking about, you know, um, oh, I'm interested in learning more about Reiki or I'm interested in learning about NLP. NLP is another fantastic modality to help. Well, do your research, right? Like don't, maybe don't just go with the first coach or counselor that, that you found on Instagram or on Google. Do your research, interview these people, Take some time to check in with yourself afterwards and ask, how did I feel when I spoke to them? Do I resonate with this person? Could this person, you know, be um, a support? Or is something in me saying, mm, 
something about this doesn't feel quite right. Because our, our trauma, our stories, our lived experiences are delicate. And we want to treat them with care and with respect. And we do that by discerning who it is that it's okay for us to treat that with care and respect. A lot of times, um, like I'm so glad to see that folks are paying more attention to vulnerability. Brene Brown has done great work in bringing this mainstream. What sometimes happens though, is folks will say, well, I wanna practice being authentic and vulnerable. So they share some really big things with folks who did not consent to hearing it or folks who are not equipped to handle those stories. And then that person perhaps overshares with the wrong people. They have a negative reaction to that. They shut down and then their brain says, well, see, it wasn't safe to share. We should keep everything stuffed down. And we don't want that. So again, discerning who we share things with is really important. I 1000% agree and I do that and I I only share from my point of view, from my experiences, I never, I make an effort to never name names, I always come come at it from my perspective, my experiences, you know, I and it's what well, I try and I don't want to say preach because I, that that's a bit. What I try and advise people, advise people, especially in my group or wherever, is before you do anything, what are your boundaries? Really pinpoint your boundaries. What are you willing to accept? What are you not willing to accept? I think this is what I think before counseling or before therapy, and you're right. Um, do you research? Of course, absolutely paramount because that is for your safety as well. Yeah. Because um, I mean, this can be uh, you know because at the end of the day, if you are going to put your for. That a fickle difference, your life in someone's hands, you need to know that you can trust them. Yeah. They have the right credentials. Yeah. And then, and so on and so forth. But before then, it's really important to ask yourself, what am I willing to put up with? And once you've investigated that, perhaps talk to that potential therapist and discuss um, boundaries. Yeah. Like, what are you willing, what are you willing to discuss and what are you not willing to? And really try and get a, a back and forth from the therapist. If a therapist is really worth their credentials, they will understand that and they will think, they will be like, okay, we will speak about that, that area and we'll leave that until you are more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really key because like, you are right. We open up, we open up so much that we sometimes forget who we're speaking to. 
Yeah. And we say some information that we probably haven't told anyone. And then it kind of slaps you in the face in a negative sense. And mm-hmm. then you're back to square one. Yep. So, and, you know, <clears throat> as someone who, I'm, I, w- I open up, like, it's probably down to my own detriment. Uh, I probably shouldn't do it, but I open up because I think it's helpful. But I also have a limit. I also have a boundary. Mm-hmm. I will open up, but to a certain extent. Yeah. And so I think that's what... <clears throat> that could be something that anyone can do. Yeah. And that is, like, essentially your your prime grounding level. And then you can start adding pieces like a cake. Right, so mm-hmm. you've got the bottom, which is ground level, ground zero, and then you've got level one, level two, and you start adding these things up, and then you start introducing other modalities like self-help, NLP, Neural Linguistic Programming, uh, DBT, CBT, EMDR, um, Reiki, or other types of meditation, uh, just to aim, arm yourself with the knowledge, the tools to set yourself on a path of, I can do this, take one day at a time, everything will be fine, just, ch- just cherry pick what you need and don't need. Yeah. And also, in the background, make sure that you have someone's number on speed dial, such as a therapist or a friend that is completely removed, who has no bias, who won't, like, challenge your perspective, because I know for a lot of times that can also stop someone from opening up. Because everyone everyone interjects themselves into their that person's personal experience, and they're like, "That didn't happen," and yeah. like, well, uh, so it diminishes your your trauma. Yeah. Well, yeah, it goes back to that: is is the person that you're <clears throat> about to share things with equipped to handle this? People can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. And so, you know, if you're going to share some some pretty heavy things that you're ready to start working through, you want to consider, you know, okay, am I going to share this with my friend who doesn't do any self-exploration work? Or am I, am I going to save this to share it with somebody who is trained in this or is doing this exploration themselves? It's, yeah, we have to discern where it is that we share our stories, where it is that we share our healing. It's so vital. Yeah, it is. And uh, for those listening who um, this may be new to you, um, um, and for those who listen on um the audio part when this is uploaded, um, you can do this yourself, you, right? Um, get, get a notepad, write things down. Mm-hmm. Um, do a do and a do's and don'ts, like in boundaries. 
um, what are you um, learn about yourself and forget about the stereotypical when we talk about Reiki and healing forget about the stereotypes that are, that are associated with it or the or the programs that you watch the massively uh, stereotype healers and all of that because that's not accurate right it's none of that it's all about focusing with focusing on you focusing on within really connecting with and again this may sound a bit um uh, again another thing but getting in touch with nature mm -hmm. i know that might sound a bit trippy and a bit you know uh, witchy, but, but it's really getting to the nub of it yeah. getting in touch with nature really find yourself really align yourself with the person you want to be mm -hmm. now i want to say this this is not going to none of what we're discussing or none of the self-help tools are going to diminish or get rid of our suffering, right? Because it's not. It's just a, it's just a modality to use when we are struggling or to ease our life in a better way. So get a, get a journal, write things down. Um, you don't know how to share things straight away, put it in a journal. And put it in the same place. Because opening up, opening up should be, in my opinion, the last thing you do. Everything else you do before that should be preparation. Getting yourself into that mindset of feeling, okay, once I figure out what I want to achieve, put that emotion and really really investigate really spend time by yourself mm -hmm. learning about you yeah. because when we've gone through trauma we lose a sense of ourselves we lose, lose a piece of us and what we're trying to do is like a pane of glass when a, when a pane of glass shatters we have to put that back. Yeah. And it's going to be shattered in pieces, so what do we have to do? We have to slowly but surely rebuild that. It's never going to be the same. You know, there's going to be cracks in the system, you know, but there is a way out. But it's what, but the question you need to ask yourself is what are you, what are you willing to lose the game yeah yeah and a lot of times you know that like what are you willing to lose people find <clears throat> that once they start doing that inner healing work the things that they lose are some of the really heavy self-judgments they have or some of the belief systems that they carry them around but they're not serving them and they're not necessarily true either um, what they might lose is some of the fear that they carried before. And so it's by doing this work, we are able to 
let things go that we don't actually want to carry into the next part of our lives. And Torn, I, I really appreciate that you've, you know, brought up so much about doing that work with the self. Um, one of the practices that I do with folks when, I, when I've got them on the table or, you know, if we're doing a session um, on Zoom, once they've gone into that memory, um, and I encourage, you know, anybody can do this anytime in their journal, you can do this alone. But I, I ask these questions. And when we go into that memory, and, you know, I really have them come back into what age they were, and what they notice in that memory that's happening around them. And let's say somebody tells me, ah, well, in this memory, I'm 14. And I say, okay, so from the perspective, from the mindset of that 14-year-old, how would that 14-year-old complete these sentences? And the first one is, I am. And so they take a moment and they <clears throat> feel into what is 14-year-old me in this memory saying I am to it. It might be something like, I am scared. I am alone. I am angry. The next sentence is, others are. And they take a moment to, to remember, okay, in that situation, what did 14-year-old me perceive others to be, right? And it might be, others are cold. Others are alone. One time I heard someone say, where are others, right? Others are, well, where are they? They felt very alone. The third sentence is, the world is. And so they finish that, you know, and again, in, in a trauma memory, it might mean something like the world is cold. The world is scary. The world is unsafe. And then the last sentence is, therefore, I must. And it might be something like, therefore, I must hide. I must keep my voice quiet. I must please others. Whatever belief it is that the, the version of you at that age is experiencing. So once they've answered those four sentences, that gives us a pretty clear idea of the mental and emotional state that they were in when that experience happened. So we can start working with that, right? So if, um, if you're somebody who tends to get a lot of anxiety around uh, rejection, around social rejection, probably dates back to an earlier memory. And you might have felt rejected back then. So we, we work with that. And we empower them to go back into that memory and change some of their experience from the state of, well, if the wisest, best version of you could step into that situation and help you when you were 14, what would that look like? And so then they start changing some things around and it might mean speaking up when they didn't get to back then. It might be changing a scenario entirely. And so we work in that space and when they feel more complete, I ask those same questions, the first three again of I am, others are, the world is. And then I change the fourth one. And the fourth one I change it to Therefore, I can. And usually by the end of the session, 
their answers have changed. And now it sounds something like, I am capable. Others are supportive. <clears throat> the world is exciting. Therefore, I can be creative. I can try new things. I can make mistakes. I can try and I can fail and I'm going to be okay. And so by the end of the session, they come out in this state. And then we say, ah, okay, so from this frame of mind, how do you want to go and deal with things in the world now? And so it's a, a really great way, again, to, in the span of, you know, 60 minutes, 75 minutes, to go from that disempowered and, like, truly, like, they were in a pain state to let's navigate through it, let's work with it. Who are you going to come out as on the other side? Yeah. Back to you, Torin. <laughs> yeah. Um, everything, um, you know, everything you said there makes perfect sense. Um, as someone who has anxiety, um, I... I, I know for a fact that I sometimes struggle to speak up. Um, you know, uh, for any other people who have anxiety, will obviously understand. Um, and so, if I like when as we were speaking, I, I was now obviously having to think. If I was to pinpoint a specific period or time in my past, everything that you just mentioned, I probably unknowingly did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, obviously, when you go through um, a personal journey of growth, healing, however you want to phrase it, um, you do, unfortunately, you do have to Go through, go through the hardships in order to blossom, uh, set yourself free. I know it's another thing. I know that's another like catchy phrase that people say, but it's it's true because unless you unlock like what's really beneath you in terms of trauma, um, PTSD. Um, wh- whatever the case may be, until you uh, uh, unlock that and be able to work with it mm-hmm. to push through, which I know can be really difficult, and I'm not saying it's easy because it's not, um, and it can even sometimes um, do the complete opposite to where someone might want to close the doors again and retreat mm-hmm. and never fully and never want to do with that again so if you are in the midst of doing this and you don't and obviously obviously don't do this alone try and do it with someone that you know or again reach out to a therapist or a reiki healer if you have some if you have them local local to you but again do you research um, is really vital. Uh, unfortunately, there's no magic wand. You know, we can't like wave a wand and say, you're done. It's not that simple. 
So, again, really put yourself into a position where you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But going back to, like, obviously, again, from my uh, point of view, or view, I'm doing that by myself, but through other means. Uh, meditation is one. Uh, self-healing. Uh, energy healing. Uh, self-love. Again, if you don't love yourself, no one else will love you because no one else will give you the time that you need if you don't allow yourself to give that, give someone else that freedom. Mm-hmm. Because that's all it is. Like, you as a 14-year-old or a 10-year-old, in my case, right, who, uh, who were never, who was never seen, you were never heard, you were a shadow, basically, and it's like you were stripped of uh, love, um, uh, help, and all of the above, and it's like, what do you need? What what do does your kid self need from you? Yes, from yes. this point on, right? Because, you know, yes, I'm a fully grown, a full grown man, right? But because of what happened to me, right? I'm essentially still, I'm still that kid, mm-hmm. but in a grown up form. So what yeah. do I need as my kid self? What did I miss out on? Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is like for this is like years removed. Me looking back and be, me being able to be in a place where I can really extract what I was lacking yeah. or investigating yeah. my past. I still, trust me, don't get me wrong, I still have times, I still have trouble, sorry, you know, re-evaluating that. Right? But it's a, it's a painful process that you have to be willing to go through. Yeah. And it doesn't get easier, right? It never does, but it's... The only thing that we can do for ourselves, I always say this, right? No one else can do it for you except you. Yeah. If someone isn't ready, right, you can't force that person into a situation that they, A, didn't give consent to. Yeah. Because you're, because you're taking their consent away. Because that's what basically happened when you were a kid or whatever, however old you are, your consent was taken away from you. Yeah. You, were in, you weren't in control of what was happening, but you are in control now. Yes. But it's having the ability and having help from mm-hmm. others to aid that, to set you on a path of Discovery. Yeah, I know that was a bit of a, I know that was a bit of a long, long, long-winded, like <laughs> sentence. But well, these things always are. There's, <clears throat> yeah. there's nothing really straightforward of, about mm. these things. They, they are complex, and it is a lifelong journey. Right? Like if we, if we can just come to accept, <clears throat> I am never going to be perfect. My past isn't going to change. How I relate to my past, that can change. 
how I relate to my present, that can change. But this is a lifelong journey of healing. And if I can accept that I'm going to be, you know, healing, developing, growing, learning as I go through life, well, now I can start to learn to enjoy the journey rather than thinking, ah, there's going to come a day when I'm fixed. Then we're, we're functioning from the belief that we're actually broken. And if we're carrying around this thought that we're broken, well, that's a lot harder to work with. It's a lot harder to have patience and compassion for ourselves. If we say, you know what? This is part of the human condition is I'm never going to be perfect. There's nothing wrong with me that needs to be fixed. This is all just optimization data, right? <clears throat> How well do I want to live my life? How much joy or suffering do I want to experience? Pain and suffering is part of life. Let's just accept it. It's going to happen. But how long we dwell in it or how deeply it impacts us, we do have a say over. We are empowered to choose our behaviors differently. So yeah, if we can, if we can get um, comfortable or at least familiar with the idea that we're always going to be healing and when we heal something at one layer right maybe it's the first time we address a particular trauma a particular wound that we've been carrying okay and we're like wow all right i worked through that i feel a lot better well we keep developing and so we keep developing we're gonna hit that thing again we're gonna come up against it again in a different scenario maybe with different people but this time we're going to come at it from a different angle. We're going to have more experience, more knowledge, more tools, right? But it's life. And so we keep growing. We keep developing. We're going to hit it again. But if we are doing the work, we can come up against these wounds again from a different perspective. Something that maybe two years ago could have been very triggering for us as we've done the work two years later, we can go, ah, hold on a second. I know how I used to react to this, but now I have these tools. I recognize that I have a choice and I'm going to respond to this differently than I did before. Now you're in the power seat. Now you are the master of your life. You are the master of your destiny because you're no longer allowing autopilot to run you. You are consciously choosing your life versus whatever these unconscious patterns are choosing what happens for you. So it's an incredibly empowering thing to do this work. You're right. It is not always easy work. Yeah. It's beautiful work. It is worth it kind of work, but it isn't always going to be easy. And there is no one outside of us who can do it for us. Um, and something else I, I sometimes see in, you know, in our, in our healing communities is um, folks will outsource their empowerment to someone else. And they'll say, oh, well, this person is a healer. Surely they can heal me. Right. So they're back into that mindset of one, I'm broken. And two, someone else has power that I don't possess they can fix me and I don't, and, and I can't. 
And that is just simply not true. And every single person that I work with at the end of the session, you know, when they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so much better. This was great. Thank you. I remind them like, you did this. I facilitated. I helped ask you some questions. I helped guide you to you, but you did this. You are the one and only healer for yourself. Everything that you need to know, you already embody. You can read a thousand books and I do recommend it. I've got my bookshelf here. I love reading. So, you know, soak in the knowledge so that you feel equipped, but also recognize that you are the expert on yourself and use your guides, use your support systems to help you, but don't give your power away because it's already in you. You get to do this. So if we set off on our healing journey from that belief as well, and we remind ourselves on a daily basis, like, you know, like, I, I have all the answers within. Now we're really setting ourselves up to have a much more successful journey. One that, again, it, humans are flawed. And so if we look at another person, we put them on a pedestal and we say, wow, that person is such a great healer. They have all the answers. They're human. They're flawed. That's going to come to the surface at some point. You don't want your world shattered because you saw them as an ideal. Take that energy. Bring it back to yourself. Recognize the ideal within. And now allow that to start guiding you. So I, I can never emphasize this enough when I work with people. It's you did the healing. I just, I was here to help. I was your cheerleader. I was your guide, but you did this, not me. Yeah. Um, is that, um, I, again, um, like what you said there really rings true to me because, you know, we are just the vessel. We have we already have the tools built in, but it's unlocking those skills to benefit us, you know. Because listen, at the end of the day, right? Like when you're working with clients, or you know, if I'm offering advice, you know. Um, yeah, I may be offering you advice or the tools, but you're the one implementing them. You're the one setting them in place to progress forward. Yeah. Because when you go from, because when you go through traumatic events, uh, regardless of the severity, you know, because trauma is trauma, mm -hmm. um, you are on autopilot. You are a robot, a robot, but right? you just hunker down and you just go forward because you don't want to deal with that. Yeah. Right? That is separate. You're almost going to a shock. Mm -hmm. And that shock sets off a automatic response of flight. You just want to take off I never see or hear anything about that again. Mm -hmm. Or again, freeze or fight as well. It could be yeah. fight, fight, freeze, yeah. Or fawn. Yeah, yeah true. Um, and then you come up against an obstacle. 
that obstacle is a brick in the road. Mm-hmm. Like, so what do you do? Do you jump over it, but then you're just repeating what you just did by ignoring it? You could go around it, but you're avoiding it. Yeah. The only option is, if you really truly want to set yourself free, and again, I'll repeat, it's, never, it's not going to be easy and never will be, but the best avenue is to go through the go through the veil. Go through the you know go through that wall, so to speak. Yeah. Right, really break that initial barrier. That's gonna say work. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's a year, two, three, even five years. I don't care if it takes you five years to get to that point. It's what you do in the interim. Yeah. will enable you to push yourself through that invisible wall. And that is just that's just the first step. Mm-hmm. Then you've got you all of these other avenues that you have to go through. Right, so I've managed to beat that, so you can take that off. But now I've got all these little nagging like trauma responses. What do I do? And this is rare you're going to enlist the help of a therapist. Yeah. So really, because, right, because they may have some piece of advice mm-hmm. that will enable you to put into place. Oh, yeah. so maybe that's why I react the way I do. Yeah. Oh, this is a trauma response. I never really, I never knew that I would have did that. So, so it's just like all in layers. It's all in increments. Yeah. And this is what, you know, I've been doing that myself, like really, when I get through a certain specific stage, right, I know that's not, that's not it, there's more to go, there's more to go, so I take, so then I take a step back, I put everything down, I take a break, mm-hmm. because it's all about, all of this takes energy, Yeah. right? It, all of this take all of this is a stress on your body, right? So, when you go through stages, it's fucking important to give yourself a rest. Mm-hmm. Give you what you, give yourself what you need. Either rest, do a hobby, read a book, do something that totally turns you off from that trauma, that upheaval. And really focus on something like in nature, right? And then when you come to reevaluate, then you can go forward. Because a lot of times, and I've done this myself, uh, because you're so invested in what's going on around you, it can take you out of it and mm-hmm. you lose grip yeah so again instead of going around or going over go through it um it's going to be painful right cry if you need to you know really right if it angers you go through that anger don't mm-hmm. avoid it go through the emotion 
let it all out, but let it all out in a healthy way. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I would just add on to that, again, to just to make sure that you have those safety and support resources yeah. you know, at hand. Because, again, sometimes we might go towards exploring some of our trauma, and it, it might be too soon, too fast, too intense. Yeah. And so we want to know that, okay, if, you know, if I'm choosing today is the day that I'm going to look at this particular trauma from this angle, you know, this might trigger some other pieces in me. So do I have the resources accessible to help me navigate this today? Right? So maybe don't go digging into some trauma before you've got uh, during your lunch break, before going into a work meeting, you know, or, um, or at a time like let's say over a weekend where you maybe don't have access to your support systems so being mindful of choosing that as well and and noticing too that if we are going towards something and we say all right like i i want to face this head on i'm ready to do it sometimes the resistance in our body and in our mind is there to protect us and say you're not quite ready to look at this yet or maybe not like this, maybe not alone. And that's where, yeah, especially for any sort of um, trauma that we're going to explore, <clears throat> it is so important that we do have that support system, a guide yeah. to help us so that it doesn't get so big that we dissociate, that we shut down, that we get overwhelmed by it. Because we don't want to make the situation worse. And so, yes having the willingness to say, okay, I want to address this, but I'm also going to do it from a place that is supportive of my healing and isn't going to further traumatize me. Yeah. Um, I have, there's been, there have been countless times where I have like regressed because I've either been too full force or I've really navigated my way through a specific trauma event at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And then I felt the, the, the consequences of that. And so, you know, I, so, you know speaking, from experience, speaking from someone who I will admit... Um, uh, and I think I mentioned. I think I spoke about this in our initial meeting mm-hmm. that because I am an introvert, I like to uh, be by myself. I so I'm in my head all the time, which technically isn't the best thing to do. So I just want to put it out there: make sure that you've got some that you've got support that can offset that um, information, that uh, um, trauma. Yeah. Um, so I'm in my head a lot. Um, I like to sit with my emotions. I like to, I'm, I'm basically my own investigator. I like to sit with my feelings and really think through. Um, and that, it's probably not the best thing to do, but it's this is just my way. So, you know, um, and it's helpful um, sometimes. 
which is why I, uh, I think it was like two years ago, I started getting to meditation, Reiki. Mm-hmm. And that has been tremendous. Yeah. For me. Everyone is different. Everyone will have, everyone will have a different response to Reiki because, you know, when you're really focusing on energy, um, with focusing on healing, it can affect you. Um, in many ways. Um, so, and just recently I did another, I did, um, Karuna Key Reiki, um, mm-hmm. With, I've added to my uh, Yusuri Reiki mm-hmm. and that has even been more beneficial yeah. but if it hadn't if it hadn't been for my wanting to be honest be on this journey of self-healing if it wasn't for my initial output to put me on a path of, I want my situation to be better. Yeah. I want to have a better chance of coping yeah. on a day-to-day basis. I have to do that for myself. And I, I'm going to reiterate what I said before about the person has to do has to be the one to make that decision. Because yeah. just like in just like alcoholics, just like drug like drug addicts, right? You can be you can be the most support, supportive family in the world and you want and you want them to get the help. Right? You may wanna be let's call them the rescuer. You want to mm-hmm. rescue people. That's all well and good, but if that person isn't ready, to then they're not going to do it. You yeah. cannot force that force that per- person or do an intervention on that person when that person isn't ready. Because what you know, what will end up is they'll either get worse. Their alcoholism will get worse. Their drug addiction will get worse, and they'll get to a point where the only place left for them is to go lower. Mm. So I really want to stress that if you have someone in your family who has any of these issues, um, well, um, but specifically mental health, um, yeah. just be a support system. Just be on the periphery. And allow them to make their choice. Now, if they decide that they don't want to go to a therapist meeting, then that is their choice. And you have to, even though that might be, that might upset you or anger you, you're not in control of them. They are in control of their destiny, what they want. Uh, so just be periphery, just be a support system, be there for when they need you, Pick answer the phone if they call you at 2 o'clock in the morning. Obviously, there could be inconvenience, but if they really want to speak, have you, be ready. 
Yeah. I really, you know, just maintain that support system and just gently guide them. Mm-hmm. Like, if they come to you and they want to talk, let them talk. Don't interrupt. Just let them get off, get what they whatever they want to speak about off their chest, and just be a mouthpiece. Right? This is what this is what therapists do on a daily basis. That's all they do, right? They listen to you. They may um, ask questions, but they mainly listen. Mm-hmm. So, never ever try and force someone to do something do something that they don't. Without yeah. their consent. Yeah. And this is what I've... Excuse me. This is what I've um, come to realise. Because yeah. I'm stubborn. You know, we always like... Even going to even going to a doctor's appointment is like... Because like, we know what that's like as a man. Like, we put things off. We're stubborn. Oh, it's fine. No. When it comes to your health, that so you can control... Through any of these tools, and I'm sure that there are other tools available that I pro- I'm probably not aware of, right, really look into it. Mm-hmm. Do research. Yeah. Right? Just because someone, like, just because um, a specific person may have experience in that field, research them. Yeah. Like look at their look at the, if they have a, a YouTube platform. Look at their YouTube. We look at their videos, see what they're about. Or say they have a website or books. Mm-hmm. Read a book. If you have a particular author, right? Like me, I, I I'm currently reading um, Food Therapy by Pixie Turner. She's a nutritionist. It's about the relationship between with food, mm-hmm. right? Do that, and then you know you can go on, and then if you wanna um, have a one-to-one with them, if they offer those services where you are, yeah. And I know that um, insurance is a big thing because I know a lot of people have health insurance, so make sure that they have accredited insurance. So that you can pay, uh, mm-hmm. or if you have a private health insurance, go through that. Yeah. Uh, but there's free. But if you don't want to go down that route, there's free resources. Yeah. There's groups online. Yeah. They may not be what you're looking for, but in the, in the interim, mm-hmm. in the in between stages, between while you're looking for actual service, they could be helpful. Yeah. yeah. And so basically, you know, I know this may sound all like too much information, but I think it's really important that this gets out there because if it wasn't for groups or if it wasn't for me um, journaling my mental health and that, I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. I'm not perfect. I am... um, Perfectly imperfect. Yeah. That's why I am. Like, I have my good sides, I have my bad sides. We all have a side to us that is unpleasant. 
and yeah. that can um, that stems from trauma. It, uh, it doesn't have to be specifically trauma. It could be related to anything. Mm-hmm. But we are all in a time where we all need to be in be attuned with ourselves on a spiritual level to where we focus on what is best for us because that because without us doing the work we can't expect a therapist to do all for us yeah that's not what they're there for yeah so um, let's let's leave our you know our listeners with this reminder that start somewhere and remember yeah. that wherever it is that you start that doesn't have to be the one path right you can maybe you start off with heal in a group healing setting and you experience that and then you come to a place where like you know all right i'm ready for the next thing or maybe it's self-help books or maybe it's meditation start somewhere then you'll start to explore also what works for you and what doesn't. Because what works for me might not work for somebody else. I'm big into journaling. I journal every single day. It's one of my favorite things to do. I give it as homework to all of my clients. But I recognize also that as much as it works for me, it may not work so well for someone else. Give it a shot. You know, test it out for a month. See how it feels. But just start somewhere and then trust that you are going to intuitively know what is right for you and what isn't and it's okay to start down one path and say you know what this one isn't quite it for me and then to pick something else i think it's it's important to to leave our listeners with this reminder that they are they are in the power seat they are empowered to start this journey to you know, navigate and reroute on this journey as they see fit. But just start. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is a, a great reminder. Um, you know, and again, um, if, and again, you know, include boundaries in that as well. Yeah. So, set, your, set, set your boundaries in place, you know, because... I think along with that, um, setting your boundaries in place is, in my opinion, um, is a great way to set yourself in a good place because Mm -hmm. then you will know what you want, what you want to do and what you won't. And then slowly but surely, like, you know, Again, do do research. Obviously, no, I want to make that be making clear. But really, focus on your journey. Yeah. Focus on your journey of healing, and really, you know, um, <clears throat> focus in on what you, as a kid, would have wanted. Yeah, come from that angle. Because, you know, we're still kids at the end of the day. We're just in, we're just in like, adult form. You know, none of us, like, 
we go through we go day to day with with no idea of what we're doing. You know, we like too much of an adult. We've got too much stuff going on, so we never reconnect with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So create a safe space in your apartment or your house that specifically meant for me time. Yeah. And use that corner to journal, uh, watch videos on uh, Reiki or meditation, read a book. Really pinpoint what you want, work, what you want to work on. Yeah. And then go from there. Obviously how we sort of support and the big thing is this isn't a race nope. right it's not a sprint it's a marathon yeah right in a marathon right you're gonna have hurdles you're gonna have pain bar- pain barriers right they're all gonna come flooding towards you yeah and so it's important vastly important that you have the the, the tools available so that when you come to a barrier, instead of retreating and going around, you can pass through. Yeah. And just remember that, you know, if you ever need support, then there are Facebook Facebook groups. Um, I will include my Facebook group in the description of the audio form. Um, you know, I offer mentorship but I can work with you one-to-one if you want that. Um, again, I am not a... I'm not a qualified uh, doctor or mental health therapist. I'm just someone who has a passion for helping others. Mm-hmm. Also, if you are interested in the work that Leilani does, I will include her information in the description, and I recommend that you check her out. Uh, check out her work. And, and who knows, maybe, you know, if you want to work with her one-on-one, I'm sure that, you know, she will be happy to uh, give you some information on that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that will be it for today's episode. Um, I I think, I don't know if, what you think, but I... I think we could maybe possibly do a part two. Oh, this stuff is endless. There's always more to talk about yeah. when it comes to, to healing and self-healing. Yeah. So maybe we can pick uh, a specific topic as well to talk about next time. Um, yeah, and I'll maybe do. that could be based on the, the feedback of listeners as well. If there are any specific things that they want to <clears> learn, and then we could you know, do a focused deep dive into that. So yeah, and yeah. any resources that they need based off of what we've talked about. Um, I do have some free worksheets that I provide to clients that they can use. So if anyone's interested in those questions or the inner child healing questions, they can reach out to me and I'd be happy to provide them with that guidance. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what, so anyone, anyone listens, uh, for those who have joined us, thank you for joining. Uh, for those on, but this is not an audio. If this is something that you'd be interested in, um, then you can send questions to me via assess with Tom and, 
uh, on Instagram. Uh, just DM me the questions or that, or you can get in contact with Leilani mm-hmm. on her Instagram and you can send questions her way. Um, you know, so if that's something you'd be interested in, then let us know. But again, that would be it. Um, you know, uh, I really appreciated this conversation. I think we really spoke about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, really fascinating stuff. Um, really helpful. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, thank you for hosting yeah. this, Torin. I know you. I know you get to do a lot of these talks, so. Thank you for inviting me onto your show and so that we could talk about these things. Yeah, no problem. Um, again, uh, I like to use my I like to use my platform to share a different perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, we all have similarities, you know, uh, but we all have our own individual aspects. Yeah. So yeah, um, again, so if this is something that you want to hear more of, uh, then let us know. Uh, and you never know, there may be a part two coming uh, very soon in the near future. So uh, have a wonderful day. Uh, Thank you. Uh, stay safe wherever you are. Um, you know, of course, make sure that you focus on your mental health. If you need any help, then reach out to your local um, Samaritans because I don't want to um, be sued. So if you don't know, the number is 116-123. Again, 116-123 for some answers. And yeah, uh, I'm going to stop waffling now and I'll end this. So yeah, uh, thanks for joining, joining me and I will speak to you soon. All right. Thanks, Torin. Thank Bye. You. Bye.